have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read starting in verse 18. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Lord, now bless the reading of your word and seal it in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was during halftime of Orlando Magic, Toronto Raptors NBA basketball game. And a fellow by Dan had been selected out of the crowd to take a shot during halftime. It's a half-court shot, and if he were to make the shot, he would win $100,000. How many of you would like to have $100,000 today? Well, Dan would have too. So Dan steps out on the court, and they blindfold him to make it even more difficult. So here is Dan blindfolded, taking this shot from half court. To his amazement, after he shoots the shot, within seconds, the crowd erupts. They're cheering. People are celebrating. Yay! Way to go, Dan! The applause is deafening. Cheerleaders are releasing balloons. The mascot and cheerleaders are high-fiving one another. And Dan is running around the court. He is so excited. He just won $100,000. Well, after a few seconds of all of this, the MC says to Dan, Dan, come over here for a second. Do you know what today is? Dan says, I'm not sure. And the MC says, it's April 1st. April Fools, you didn't make the shot at all. You don't get $100,000. I'm going to give you a hundred grand candy bar to celebrate. Well, Dan walks off the court dejected, as you can imagine. His hopes were crushed. Have you ever had your hopes crushed? You knew you had just won the big prize, but you didn't win it. Or you knew that you were going to marry her. She married somebody else. You knew that you were going to marry him. No, nah, he picked somebody else. Or you just knew that you were going to have this amazing life. And you're going to raise these amazing kids. And they're going to be doctors and lawyers and missionaries. And they're going to change the world. Well... Your kids can't even find a job. They're not interested even in working. And uh, they don't much even want to go to church. What happened? Your hopes are fading fast. Here in Luke chapter 7, you'll see an incredibly godly man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, he is not the first Southern Baptist. He's called John the Baptist because he was a baptizer of people. Not just any people, but he baptized Jews. It was not unusual 
for Jews to baptize Gentiles as they were converted to the faith, but for Jews to be baptized, now that was a big deal. But John was baptizing Jews who had turned from their wicked ways and repenting and turning to God. John was actually a relative of Jesus, maybe six months older than Jesus, and John the Baptist was the one preparing the way for Jesus. He was the one who came as a voice in the wilderness. John was the one who baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. Perhaps you remember that. Jesus being baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes down from heaven in the form of a dove. And the Father's voice booms from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And John the baptizer is right there in the middle of it. Talk about a life-changing experience, a spiritual marker in your life. John the Baptist is no timid little guy. He's bold. He's in your face. He's a man's man with a message. He's got purpose. He's got passion. And he is preparing the way for the Messiah. Jesus himself himself tells us that John was no reed shaking in the wind. He's a prophet and more than a prophet. He was the most popular preacher on the planet. People would come for miles to hear him. Yet John the Baptist came to a point in his life where he'd almost given up hope. What's going on, Lord? People were coming to me in droves. I was baptizing more people than I could count. But now, because I told the truth, I've been locked up in prison. I don't think I'm going to get out. And Jesus, you're doing nothing about it. I thought Jesus came to set the captives free. Well, I'm not free. I'm in prison, Mr. Wilderness Man. Mr. Eating Locusts and Wild Honey, living off the land, telling people how to live their lives. And I am here in prison because I told King Herod he shouldn't be living with his brother's wife. What in the world is going on, Lord? What are you doing? This does not make sense to me. The ministry of Jesus is probably not what John the Baptist expected. When John preached, he cried out for people to repent. He can't wait for Jesus to begin. He's going to separate some wheat from some chaff. Some heads are really going to roll when Jesus begins his ministry. And then here comes Jesus hanging out with tax collectors who are cheating other people and notorious prostitutes and other sinners. Jesus, I don't get it. I didn't think this is what you were supposed to do when you came. It's not supposed to work that way. Here in Luke chapter 7, Jesus heals a servant of the Roman centurion. And he raises a widow's dead son. But John the Baptist is still sitting in prison. He's more than a little discouraged. So he sends word by his disciples here in Luke chapter 7 verse 20. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? John the Baptist is discouraged. How many of you have ever been discouraged? Some of you are there right now. It's happened to some of the greatest people in all of history. To say that Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, and Michelangelo, and Mozart got discouraged would be putting it mildly. Some of the greatest people in the Bible got discouraged. Moses got discouraged. 
Jeremiah got discouraged. Elijah got discouraged. Job got discouraged. The Apostle Paul got discouraged. And there are times in your life when you're probably going to be discouraged. Circumstances do not work out your way. Life is not working out the way that you hoped that it would. And nothing looks like it's going to change anytime soon. And you are struggling with, battling with discouragement. You ever want to ask God why? God, why doesn't my circumstance change? God, why don't I get things that I feel like I should get? Lord, why do those people get what they want and I don't get what I want? Sometimes, I have to be honest, I don't always know why. I don't know why a child gets sick and dies. I don't know why people are in horrible accidents. I don't know why life seems to work out perfectly for some people and not so well for others. I know we live in a sinful world and God has given us free will and sometimes people make really bad decisions. I know because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden that sickness and disease and sin and tragedy entered into the world. But Lord, here I am trying to follow you. Here I am serving you. Here I am living for you. And my life looks to be falling apart. And there's Mary over there. There's John over there. There's Susie over there. And they don't have any interest in you at all. And yet life seems to be coming together for them. They're not sick. Their kids are doing well. They got money in the bank. Lord, I don't get this. I don't know why some things happen the way that they do. But I do know this. I'd rather walk with God through the circumstances of life than to face anything without him. How about you? God, even though it's difficult, even though life is hard, even though life sometimes doesn't make sense to me, I would rather walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist talks about, than to try to do it on my So I put my trust in you. Oswald Chambers has a point. When he says doubt is not always a sign that something's wrong, it may be a sign that he's thinking. John the Baptist wants to believe, but he's struggling with some doubts. Why am I in this prison? Why am I not being set free? Lord, I don't get this. Was it supposed to work this way? So how does Jesus answer John's question? Go to verse 21. In that hour, he, that's Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Jesus didn't just give John a verbal answer here. Jesus demonstrated his power. In that hour, he healed people of sickness and disease. He gave blind sight. He cast out demons. Jesus is still doing some pretty incredible things in our world today. Did you know that? He doesn't always heal the sick, but sometimes he does. And more importantly, he is changing lives. And he's using us to be his instruments to change the lives of others. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a life changer. For the good. 
Do you believe that? He's called us to be life changers in our world. He's told us we're salt and light in a world of darkness and in need. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are his representatives in this world. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go and as you go, make disciples in all the world. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, You are ambassadors for Christ. As though he were making his appeal to the world through you. After Jesus demonstrated his power. He tells John's disciples to go back to John the Baptist with this message. Verse 22. And he answered them. Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. Here's a question for you and me. Are we telling other people about what we have seen and heard? Has God done anything good in your life? Has God done anything that's life-changing in your life? If you know Christ as Savior and Lord, He's done a lot. If He did nothing else other than die on the cross for your sin and raise from the dead and give you eternal life, He has done way more than anybody else could possibly do for you. And He's done much more than that in most of our lives. I don't know why God does some of the things He does in this world and why he doesn't do some of the things he doesn't do. But I do know this. God is still doing some pretty incredible things in our world. Do you believe that? He's still feeding the hungry and helping the poor through organizations like Room at the Inn and Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. He's saving babies through organizations like Clarity. He is sending out thousands of missionaries into this world through the International Mission Board, which we are a part of. He's sending thousands of missionaries through the North American Mission Board, throughout North America, which we are a part of as well. And he's also changing lives in our own community as you partner with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before we leave today, we're going to ask anybody who may be going to Ireland to gather here in maybe the middle aisle. I'm going to pray for you as you go. That God's going to do incredible things to you as you prepare to be an instrument of God to touch the world over there. Not long ago, some of our people went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and God used some of you to touch people in an inner city where a lot of people would not want to go because God is using you to change lives. But you don't have to go to Ireland. You don't have to go to Pittsburgh. You don't have to go across the country, overseas. God can use you right where you are. At your job, at your family, at your school, God is using you as you allow him to empower you to do his work in this world. Verse 23, Jesus gives John the Baptist one final word. It says this, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The New Testament word translated offended here originally referred to the bait stick in a trap. John was in danger of being trapped because of his concern about what Jesus was not doing. The enemy is still doing that today. God, why don't 
you heal this sickness? God, why don't you provide more money for me financially? God, why don't you give me that job? Why don't you give me this stuff? God, why don't you change my circumstances? If you're not careful, you'll end up falling into discouragement and drifting away from God. But let me encourage you. Instead of thinking about all the stuff God hasn't done, start thanking him for what he's already done. Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross for your sin. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for you and that while you were yet a sinner, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died for your sin. He didn't wait for you to even think about attempting to get your act together. He saw you there in your sin and he died for you. And if you have nothing else, and all of us have a lot of other stuff, how many of you had any food to eat in the last three days? Some of us had more than we needed. How many of you were able to walk into church today? How many of you were able to drive a car? How many of you were able to hold down a job if you want to hold down a job? Somebody think, I ain't doing that anymore. How many of you have stopped to count your blessings? God has done way more than just the big, huge, amazing, incredible salvation deal. But if he never did anything else for you but come to this earth and die on a cross for your sin and give you eternal life, I think that's way better than everything else all put together. How about you? If you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, you got more to be thankful for than anybody else on this planet who doesn't know Christ as Savior and Lord. We should stop and give him thanks. That's not always easy. I know. What do you do if you're struggling with discouragement? What do you do if you feel like quitting? If you want to give up? Throw in the towel. I'm not a pastor. I mean, I am a pastor. Let me clarify that. <laughs> May not be after today. I'm a pastor, not a psychologist. Get that straight. Might need one after today. The psychologist might give you some practical suggestions like eating healthier, exercising regularly, spending time with the right people, maybe even get a pet. Probably not a good idea for all of us, but for many. A lot of those suggestions would be good for a lot of people, especially the ones that are Bible-based. I'm not going to try it and play pop psychologist today, and I'm no medical doctor, but the Bible gives us some help. So how do you deal with discouragement? Let me mention a few things before we go. First of all, be honest with God. How many of you think God already knows what you're thinking anyway? Absolutely. So go ahead and tell him. God's not going to say, Glenn, I never knew that. I didn't know you were thinking that. He knows. So go ahead and tell him. This is what I'm thinking. I am hurting them. That's what John the Baptist did. He said, hey, are you really the Messiah or not? I need to know. I'm struggling here. It's all right. Be honest with God. He knows anyway. Second, watch for where God is working. Jesus told John's disciples, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Too often, we are looking at the circumstances of life that don't go our way instead of watching for where God is working in the world in ways that may be incredible, but too often, we don't see it. We don't notice it because we're not looking for it. 
That's one of the themes of experiencing God is watch where God is working and join him. A third thing, count your blessings. We have so much to be thankful for. But if you're like me, the natural tendency is to think about the stuff that I don't like in life. How many of you have stuff in your life that you really don't like? A few of you, mostly over here. We probably all have stuff that we don't like, right? And we all have stuff that we do like. How many of you got something good going on in your life? All of us do, right? But too often what we do is we focus on stuff that we don't like. We focus on our problems. We focus on our struggles. It's like somebody taking a walk and they got a rock in their shoe. All they can think about is the rock in the shoe. And too often, that's what we do with our lives. But the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything, give thanks. Say, give thanks. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Is that what it says? Rejoice in the Lord when circumstances go your way. Is that what it says? Rejoice in the Lord when you got lots of money in the bank. Is that what it says? Rejoice in the Lord. Say it with me. Always. Say it again. Always. And again, I say rejoice. I don't know about you, Terry, but that's hard for me to do. It's easy to rejoice when the fish are biting. But it's hard to rejoice when you get skunked. It's easy to rejoice when everybody thinks you're wonderful. But it's hard to rejoice when circumstances look like they're falling apart. But that's where faith comes in. Even the world celebrates when circumstances go their way. But when circumstances don't go your way, can you trust in God? Can you rejoice in Him just because He's God and just because He's good? I think John the Baptist kind of forgot about that. He forgot about the amazing privilege that he had to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And sometimes we forget we have this amazing privilege of preparing the world for his return. We need to count our blessings. Here's a fourth thing. Meditate on Scripture. Think about Scripture. I'm not telling you to assume a yoga position and go, mm, all the time. What I'm telling you is think about what God's Word has to say. Focus on what God's word says more than you focus upon what circumstances have to say. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord, in God's word. And in his law does he meditate both day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. You know what's so good about a tree planted by the water? It's not dependent on the circumstances. If it rains, hallelujah. If it doesn't rain, hallelujah. I still got water. I love it when my circumstances are good. How about you? But when circumstances are hard and circumstances don't make sense, you know what it does? It causes me, if I live by faith, to reach out my roots to the water. God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to grow in my faith here because I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. Here's another thing to do. Spend time with good Christian friends. People can encourage you in the faith. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says two are better than one. See, if one falls down and there's somebody there to help them, they can get back up and get on the road. 
but pity the person who falls down and they got nobody to help them get up. We all need some Christian friends in our lives, people who can help us to get up, people who encourage us in the faith. John the Baptist had some Christian friends or some Bible-believing, God-believing friends, and they went to Jesus on his behalf. Would to God that we all had people who would go to Jesus on our behalf, crying out to him for us, encouraging us in our faith. Here's something else. Don't drop out of church. You know, a lot of people do. They get hurt. They get discouraged. Circumstances don't go their way. First thing they do is they drop out of church. That does not make sense to me. More than any other time in your life, you need encouragement. You need fellowship. You need strength. So don't drop out of church. Drop into church. Be with God's people who can encourage you in your faith. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but even more so gather together as you see the day of the Lord returning. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I'm pretty sure it's sooner now than it was when the book of Hebrews was written. You need to gather with God's people to encourage one another in faith. I encourage you to be part of a Sunday school class or small group. It helps you to build one another up in the faith. Here's another thing. Make a conscious decision to live by faith. If you don't do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to live your life like a roller coaster. How many of you have ever been on a roller coaster? How many of you still like riding roller coasters? Not me. I'm too old. I get dizzy. But you know a roller coaster, it goes up. And it goes down. It goes fast and it goes slow. Life's kind of like a roller coaster. Sometimes circumstances are good and we are just soaring. And sometimes the bottom falls out. It's like, oh man, I just got a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. If you choose to live by circumstances, your life will be like a roller coaster. But if you choose to live by faith... You don't depend upon the circumstances of life. You depend upon your God. You trust in Him. You follow Him. You live as God's Word says to live. People in the Bible, the great men and women of God, they, they understood that. Do you remember Joshua? Joshua said this. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, here's what we're going to We're going to serve the Lord. You may decide not to serve the Lord, but we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. My family's going to serve the Lord. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Circumstances were not looking good for them, were they? In fact, they're going to be thrown into a furnace of fire. They're going to die just like that. And it's probably going to be a little bit painful. Remember what they said? The God that we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he does not, we will not bow down to your idol, king, right? Remember the apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, that crew? In the New Testament, they were threatened by the religious leaders of their day. Do not speak anymore about Jesus Christ. Do you remember how they responded to those threats? 
He said, you decide whether or not it's better to obey you or to obey God. But we must obey God rather than men. They chose to live by faith, honoring God. You have to choose to live by faith as well. Romans 8.37 says that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. Do you believe that? Here's the question. Do you live like you believe that? Romans 8.31 says if God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Do you believe that? God does not say circumstances won't be against you. God does not say people won't be against you. God does not say problems won't be against you. God says it doesn't matter. Who is against you? What is against you? What matters is who lives inside of you. His name is Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? 1 John 5, 4 says, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The Bible says the just shall live. How? By faith. So as you live by faith, and I live by faith, and we live by faith together, circumstances do not always change. Life is not always easy. But there's a power inside of us that we acknowledge because there's a God who loves us and a Holy Spirit who has made His home in us, and we are His representatives in this world. As I do that, and you do that, We do that together no matter what the circumstances. He can use us to reach the world, the love and the truth of Jesus Christ starting right here in our community and going way beyond. How many of you want to be a part of that? Not because of who you are, but because of who he is and everything that he did. Thank God Jesus Christ came to this earth for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. One day, he's coming back. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I encourage you to place your faith in him today. And if you have, I encourage you to live like you have. Living by faith, trusting in God, serving him together. Would you pray with me?